from KQED. Hey everyone, I'm Emmanuel. I'm Kali. And I'm Jamindra. And we're the hosts of The, the Cooler. Cooler. This month, we're making resolutions to be better in 2020, and we're taking a pilgrimage to visit one of Jennifer Aniston's exes. Also, retroactive continuity, better known as retcon. We're going to discuss how some of our favorite shows and films have reverse-engineered plots to cover their asses. And we'll also, sorry, be talking about Clint Eastwood's new film, No Really Sorry, and why Olivia Wilde maybe shouldn't make public comments anymore. And also, we should say, you may or may not hear the word taint several times in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) It's a new dawn, it's a new day, it's a new life. And I'm Ooh. feeling good. Oh, you, you got a little Nina Simone. Is that what I'm hearing? I like yes. it. Yes. Okay, yes. It's 2020. I thought, why not sing into this? We made it into another election year. I would rejoice, but I'm too busy being terrified of how America might out-trash itself yet again. Mm. Ugh. But we're not here to talk about politics. <clears throat> Warren for president. Sorry. There was just like a little <laughs> tickle in my throat just there. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. So we're here to revisit the resolutions we set last year on this very podcast. Did we accomplish them? And we're going to set new ones. So I'll start with Jamidra. Oh, hi. And I have a question for you. See, now I'm feeling like, you know, that scene in Slumdog Millionaire when he's in the room and they got the spotlight on him. Exactly. <laughs> the interrogation. Pretty much. That's what, I, that's what I'm feeling because I already know what you're going to ask me. Go ahead. Okay. I'm waiting. <laughs> <laughs> ¿Recuerdas cuál fue tu resolución? Oh, dear. Uh, all I can say is nada. <laughs> that's, that's, that's as far as it goes. So, no, Mama did not learn Spanish this year. I have failed wholeheartedly. I'm busy. Uh-huh. 365 days? Come on. <laughs> so many days in the year. And, you know, this year maybe I'll try because we are going into a leap year, so I'll have one extra day. True, true. So maybe I could use that whole day to learn Spanish, just come out on top. But as of now, no bueno. <laughs> all I have to say is... Como te atreves, which means how dare you. Oh, (laughs) listen, can I just interject and potentially steal Emmanuel's thunder? I know the reason why he's riding you so hard on this, Mm Jamidra, is because he has been taking damn Spanish lessons. I know, because if if I'm completely honest, I do believe that we, I came up with a resolution, but Emmanuel was like, I'll go in with you. And then at some point he kept going and I was like, you know what, I'm going to just, it's like the the tortoise and the hare. I was like, I'm just going to sit over here for a little bit and take a moment. And he was Parasite 2019. Mm -hmm. Wow. So in the last resolution, episode, I did hijack your resolution and I called it Y tu cojos también. <laughs> and I thought we were going to like cross the finish line together, but I'm here alone. Yeah. And you know what that is? It's disgraceful. And so I'm going to say that in Spanish too, because I just want to keep rubbing it in your face. <laughs> que vergüenza, Jamidra. Uh, okay, I'm done making you feel bad. All I know <laughs> is curse words. And I learned those in the playground as a child. So I'm just going to stick with that for now. Those but work too. Eventually, I will say eventually we I will get there. We're moving in the direction that all of us need to know Spanish at some point. I'm either going to go willingly or I'm going to go kicking and dragging into Spanish lessons. So <laughs> Yeah. I will say that I am proud of you for sticking to the resolution. So I tip my hat to you, sir. Gracias. <laughs> I'm insufferable. How do you say that in Spanish? <laughs> Telenovela star. I just, that's how I want you to communicate from here on out. Gracias. Mm-hmm. I need a hair flip and everything when you say it. All right. I'll grow it out. 
So Carly, you also wanted to learn a language or relearn it. You wanted to relearn Italian and quote, I want to talk Dante to people while chilling in Portofino. Did you do that? Uh, wow. Well, I went to Portofino. Come through. Didn't necessarily reference the, the good man, the big man, the big D. But what I will say to you guys is, si, ho imparato un po' d'italiano. Okay. And no way did I just look that up on Google. <laughs> oh, no. So, wait, hang, wait, hang on a minute. Wait, just step off my neck for a second, please. <laughs> so, I went to Italy and you know what? I got by. I didn't do as much Duolingo as I meant to. Like Jamidra says, yeah. life gets really busy. You know, and that little sad owl, you know, duo would send me emails saying, mm. like, I miss you. I feel like we don't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I miss us, yeah. um, which hurt my heart. Okay. Um, or should I say, mi cuoro. Ooh. Yeah. And I, I felt like my Italian fluency only increased with the amount of Aperol I was drinking. I'm just saying, all you oh, need no, to know so. is how to order drinks and order food. You're good. Exactly. So I'll count that as a win. Yes, you did it. Yes, yeah. Cool. Did you learn how to climb or relearn? Because that's another one you had. Well, politician style, I'm, that's a really great question. <laughs> really glad you answered that <laughs> you because we need to talk that. about these kind of tough questions in the current climate. The answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know why. Um, there's a climbing gym really near me and I always thought, yeah, I can go there. And I think I know what happened. I wanted to do this like five-step course where they take you from nada to quite good and <laughs> the class times were a really awkward time after work that I didn't want to go to. So uh, 12 months elapsed and I didn't do it. Yeah. But I do have shoes. I've got climbing shoes. So surely that means for something. All right. Well, you going to free solo this year? I just uh, Potentially. Know. Well, I think that would represent quite the leap, well, literally, but I'll, I'll do it. All right. So mixed bag. But you tried. A for effort? A truly mixed bag of, of climbing chalk. Oh, so you already know the like verbiage that you need to use to be a climber. So you're like halfway there. I will say that currently in the studio right now, Carly has a cliff bar and on the wrapper, there is a person climbing. So I just, I feel like there is... Studio sound. There you go. Mm-hmm. Ooh, ASMR. Like just, that counts, that should count for something is all I'm saying. Just eating my cliff bar. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> wow. So in addition to joining Jamidra in learning Spanish, I also had a different resolution that was fully my own. I was struggling with saying yes to things that produced anxiety in me or fear. And so my Mm. resolution was to veto that knee-jerk reaction of saying no to opportunities, whether they're like professional or personal or whatever, of like scary, stressful stuff. And I have to say, I kind of like ace this one (laughs) because... Give us an example of what you said yes to. So if you guys remember, in a bonus episode of this very podcast, I interviewed Tan France from Queer Eye in front of 1,400 people. His people kept changing the dynamics of the interview. It was supposed to be like 25 minutes with audience questions. And then it was like an hour and a half of just me and him Mm -hmm. talking on stage. And that was really scary. And I really wanted to say no and just delete the email. But I forced myself and I lived to tell the tale. And it was great. Thanks. But also like beyond that, it was very scary to quit my job of 10 years and move Mm -hmm. across the country with no apartment, no gig lined up, no friendships lined up. And I did it anyway, and I'm really glad I did. I've been here for a few months. I have several jobs now. Hey. Your cup literally runneth Mm -hmm. over. I have a top floor apartment with a skylight in the bathroom. The opulence Mm -hmm. jumped all the way out on that one. (laughs) I'm sorry, is that Marie Antoinette on the end of the line Mm -hmm. there? (laughs) Yep. Heads are going to roll, but I'm going to enjoy it while I can. And I have like 
two-ish friends. Three, mm-hmm. if you count the psychic who reads my frozen margaritas at this astrology party I go to. She did it last night. Wow. Can we oh, talk yes. about that a little bit more? Oh, yes. The most New York sentence I've ever heard. Uh-huh. She is great. Literally the first time she looked at my glass, this was back in September, I was still unemployed. She looked at the glass and said, oh, you're going to be working for Netflix and maybe writing scripts? And two days later, I booked a gig editing a podcast for Netflix. And the first thing that I had to do was write a script for the trailer. Shut the hell up. So this is what I need. I need a margarita read myself. So the next time in New York, you need to hook me up. That kind of specificity, you really Mm -hmm. can't pay for. That's amazing. You know, that's, Mm -hmm. wait, hang on. How did she do that? It's called magic, Carly. (laughs) (laughs) Fine, fine. I'll accept the mystery. Yes. So now knowing how we landed with our resolutions for this year, I went back through all of the other resolution episodes we've ever done. So this is the fifth one, oh. actually. That's oh, crazy. Jesus. And I don't know why you do that. I am grading all of us and seeing how we did overall over these many years in terms of following through with our resolutions. So I don't know if I like this. <laughs> I think you won't because um, <laughs> you have the lowest score in the class, Carly. Oh, God. Oh, that hurts me. You have a 40%. You're going to really wow. need to work on that. Wow. And lest we forget the year that you refused to participate in the resolution episode, you said, my resolution is not to have one. Oh, Ooh. God, that was such a wanky thing to say. Ugh. Yeah, so maybe we dock five extra percentage points for that. Ooh, so you're, you're at do. 35. Yeah, yeah. Jamidra, you succeeded with three of your resolutions out of six, so you're at 50%. Oh, congrats, man. Oh, no, I need at least a B for this class. <laughs> I would like to say that I would like extra credit because um, KQED don't, hopefully they're not listening. I encouraged you to take the leap, sir. Oh. I encouraged you to say yes for years, so can I just get like two extra points? <laughs> we'll give you a B minus. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I have achieved nine and a half out of 11 because I am oh. a teacher's pet. So I have 86%, and I will tutor you guys anytime you want. Um, Can I just say, were your goals stretch goals? Did you just say things that you knew you were going to do? Mm -hmm. They were hard. Let me see. Uh, I'm (laughs) just saying. I think you set yourself up for success. Mm -hmm. Learn Justin Bieber's entire Sorry choreography. I took a seven-week class for that. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Um, Go to Greece and record my grandparents' stories in case they die. Not to be super depressing, but one of them did. No, it's a great resolution. Um, so I'm glad I did that. That was a hard one. I had to travel to a different continent. Um, learned Spanish. Hello. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hola. I'm trying. <laughs> I love how you, can we just back up and talk about the fact that you just threw travel to Greece and there's a hardship though? Right. Wanna... <laughs> Sweat drop on my forehead. Okay, but we're not done working on ourselves. 2020 is here. What are we resolving to do in the new year? Hit me. I thought back to all the other ones that I've done in the past, like why I chose those things. And I realized something about myself. And it is that I don't think I've ever fully transitioned into a parent. Huh. Explain more about that. <laughs> Which is really, it sounds really odd. But like you guys know, I've always had to balance like career. I had transitioned into parenthood like directly after bartending. So my life was a little different and then suddenly it abruptly changed. So I've always been trying to like hold on to this part of me that wasn't a parent and be both at the same time, like still do all of the things that I was able to do then while being a parent, never really thinking about the fact that my life has changed. And so my resolution this year is to take up more parental space because I don't think that I do that. I think that most of my friends who don't have children 
I don't talk very much about my kids to them. I don't post about my kids on social media because I'm just like, who who would care? That's annoying. I don't want to be that annoying person. But guess what? People annoy me all the time <laughs> with the things that they like to do. And this is just a part of who I am. So this year, I'm going to make a resolution to just sort of like settle into the fact that I am this new-ish person, been this person for eight years, but new-ish person who drives a minivan. Okay, and like and and listens to corny Frozen and Hamilton CDs. And I love having kids and and all of that. And that's just part of who I am. So more mommy tweets coming soon. I love that. Do it. (laughs) If there's anyone I want to hear this stuff from, it's you. I know we've constantly implored you to write a book about your kids (laughs) and the things that they say. Bring on the mommy content, which is also called MomCon in my mind. (laughs) Ah, I like it. Maybe that can be your, like, blog name or something. MomCon.geocities.co.uk. Because you're British for some reason. Yeah, why not? So I think I I have a feeling that my average is going to go up after this year. I like it. I like it. Carly? So I thought long and hard about this one, and I thought something I really wanted to do Because no cooler episode would be complete without me quoting The Muppet's Christmas Carol. Oh, why not? I want to take a tip from my favorite rat, Rizzo the Rat, (laughs) who, in this immortal movie, utters the words, scarcity drives the prices up. Guys, I want to make myself scarce. I'm so focused on being there for opportunities, for people, Mm -hmm. for constantly raising my hand and saying, yes, I'll do that, even if it's a bit tricky. And I think driving that is some sort of fear of missing out. You know, if I say no to something, I'll never get asked to do something cool ever again. But there's been some really interesting writing in the past year about the power of making yourself way more scarce and Mm. how you can actually increase your quote-unquote market value to people around you, whether that's professionally or personally, by doing that. And it's really scary to do it initially because you're reversing an age-old habit of saying yes when you're actually starting to say no. But I kind of want to try it Mm -hmm. and see what happens. I think I'll probably fail. I'm happy to have that low percentage score, Emmanuel. Thank you very much because it means I try. I set ambitious goals and I don't quite make them. I will say that Emmanuel and I are here for you. The next time, we, Thanks, you need to just filter all of the opportunities through us from here on out. Yes. We'll vet them, and then we'll tell you whether or not you should uh, make yourself scared. I would actually love an agent. Just someone to say, like, yo, is, is this worth my time? Mm-hmm. Uh, or this opportunity versus that opportunity. Just counsel me. Just guide me. I got you. We don't want you to be overexposed. Exactly. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be like Jennifer Lawrence a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What about you, Emmanuel? What are you tackling that's going to keep your average up this year? So, I have three. Of course. <laughs> of course. No wonder his Teacher's score's so freaking okay, high. <laughs> so, I want to keep exploring New York like I'm a tourist because I'm not sure how long I'll live here. And it just is fun to see a new place with wide eyes and, like, try new things, go out on a Wednesday. I went out last night by myself. It's fun. Hey. So, mm-hmm. I mean, if you can count being by yourself when you're talking to a psychic who's reading your drink. But, you know. I also want to read at least 12 books. That's one a month. It's totally Mm -hmm. doable. But this last year, I haven't really been reading as much. So I did join a queer book club. Whether I continue going to it, we'll see. But I want to stick to it. But the biggest one is I want to finally go to therapy. I've been wanting to do this for years. I got shit to talk about. And now that I don't have that many friends and I forgot my live journal login, I need to put these thoughts somewhere. Wow. (laughs) Life journal, we hardly knew ye. I know. It, it was it was good to us though when it was around. If you have a Mac, you know this like 
annoying upgrade now or later alert that pops up on your computer screen whenever they have mm-hmm. a new operating system. Well, I want to stop hitting upgrade later for like my personal like mental health. And I want to okay. upgrade now. Emmanuel okay. version 10.0 Catalina Mac OS. Here <laughs> I come. No bugs. <laughs> Hopefully not. Yes. <laughs> That's an amazing goal. And I think, I mean, first of all, let's just be specific about the fact that the the margarita reading psychic is not therapy. So that doesn't count. (laughs) Okay. Noted. But I (laughs) encourage you to, like, get get that upgrade on. Yes. Upgrade. Mm -hmm. Okay. So to all of the listeners out there, if you have a resolution for any of us that you want us to deliver on in this new year, hit us up on our hotline at 415-553-2850. We love homework as much as we love hearing from y'all. So call us. Today, I want to have a little discussion about something called retroactive continuity. Do you, have you guys ever heard of that phrase before? I've heard people talk about retconning on Twitter, mm-hmm. often not in a positive sense. Right? <laughs> so wait, just remind me, like, what does it mean again? Okay, so it's basically like it's a literary device in which facts in a fictional work are adjusted, ignored, contradicted by a subsequently published work, which breaks the continuity of the former. Mm-hmm. I think I mentioned it like a couple of years ago. I don't know. This podcast has been going on for a long time, which we're really happy about. But I was, of course, talking about Felicity because I'm a broken record and I only have like three <laughs> interests. And I talked about it in terms of how they were canceled and then they were brought back when they weren't mm-hmm. expecting it. And so they had to have her time travel and then like certain characters were dead and it was just mm-hmm. all over the place. So I think that is considered retconning if I'm understanding the definition. It is like you good memory. So we did, I think, I think that was the episode, if I remember correctly, when we talked about like finales that sucked, mm-hmm. like yes. finales that sucked. And they also did this with Dallas, I believe, where they kind of like scrubbed a whole season because it sucked and pretend yeah. like it they were was like, eh, we'll just pretend that like, never yeah, happened. Having it. And so basically like, so why retcon? So it's like sometimes people retcon because, you know, they have a sequel. Um, and they can't really continue the story unless they sort of like spruce up some things from the past. Sometimes fans are like, wait a minute, they have a negative reaction to something. So they're like, hey, okay, let's switch that up. Um, sometimes they need to correct some kind of error. Maybe they like lose a person. They could no longer be in the series or like the film. And then sometimes they may want to change how the, the prior work was interpreted. So there's all kinds of reasons why retcon is used as a tool. I'm going to tell you why I fell down the rabbit hole and why I've become obsessed with it. One word, Watchmen. Oh, you like Watchmen. I do. And it's 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 an odd choice for me. Watchmen is not my thing. I was supposed to read the book in college. I had a, a final. I won't tell you whether or not I read it, but I passed the final. And I have the book here still. I've kept it on my shelf all these years. When I heard the series was coming, I was... I was, I was I was very meh about it, right? But friend of the podcast and former KQED-er Aldo Moro Blanco, he convinced me to watch it, and I did. And I won't be, I'll be honest with you, it's a weird show. It's super weird. It takes a while to get into it. It's not like a sequel of any by any stretch of the imagination. It's not like an, a direct correlation to the source material. They use the source material, but these are all new. Sort of, A lot of these folks are new characters. Like we know that badass Regina King is there. There is her husband named Yaha Abdul-Mateen II, who, I mean, Google. <laughs> Google. <laughs> So that's kind of what got me into the series. I was like, okay, they got a black love story here. I, like, We don't see that a lot on television. I'm totally in. I'm going to watch it. It's weird as hell. I don't understand what's happening. And then we get to episode six. 
So in the series, there is a character named Hooded Justice who I believe also appears in the books. Like, have any of you read the book? Sure haven't. Emmanuel, Alan Moore, right? I have. Okay, you have. Okay, so you know. All right, so I, again, I'm not going to reveal whether or not I read the book because maybe my former professor is listening. <laughs> they might take your qualification <laughs> away might, from right? you. Maybe he will reduce my grade retroactively. We're trying to Emmanuel increase listeners, Jamidra. We don't want to be excluding them. <laughs> there is no excuse, Jamidra. There are pictures. So many pictures. There are pictures. <laughs> and yeah. So maybe, maybe, maybe one day I'll go back and read. But there is a character in the series that is from the book named Hooded Justice. And Hooded Justice has a really, I mean, some questionable fashion choices. All of the costume choices that Hooded Justice could have gone for to be a superhero or a action fighter figure. I don't know how we're classifying these people. He chose to wear a hood over his head and a rope around his neck and his wrists. And so I'm like, that's a, you know, okay, do, do what you do. So in the series, we learn this entire backstory about where the hood comes from, where the rope comes from, and it's not what we expected. Mm-hmm. And it's not what was included in the original comic. So in the comic, we know him as like some vague backstory. He's like this white German guy, and this is what he does. He runs the streets with a hood over his head, and he's saving the day. In the series, and if you haven't watched the show and you don't want me to spoil it for you, I suggest you dip out. Look away now. Look away now. In the series, we learn that the hood over his head and the rope around his neck are actually sort of leftover remnants from a attempted lynching. Oh, oh. wow. Right? So... He is a black man. A group of white men tried to lynch him. The rope around his neck is actually a noose. And the bag over his head is actually what they used during the attempted lynching. And so he uses that anger to basically, like, fight crime. But he puts white makeup over his eyes because he doesn't want people to know that he's a black man. Because it wouldn't be well received if there was, like, a black vigilante running around. So they can accept the fact that there's a white man running around saving the day. And so this is not in the source material, It's not in the source material. And from what I understand, the, the... the the folks behind the comic are kind of pissed because when you look at that particular costume and you look at the now what we know is a noose and the hood it seems so obvious that that's what it would be and so I guess there are questions about like "Uh, you guys that was those were interesting choices for you guys why did you go in that direction still made him white German uh, and so it's just sort of like turned the source material on its head and kind of flipped it in a way it retconned it in a way that now we're asking questions about the original source material and how they like how did you not see that Mm. and it's just fascinating to me I mean I don't want to generalize but there there have been some grumblings in the comic book community just like in the gaming community when it comes to diversity, like it comes to women, it comes to people of color. Regina King leads this series, who is a black woman. And so there have been people who haven't been happy about that. And then to, to adapt this source material and take it so... Because they talk about race a lot in this in this series because they open it up sort of talking about the Tulsa race riots, which yeah, up as well. And then they go here. So they're not backing away from talking about race in a space that is typically usually pretty male and white. Well, it's so interesting when you said that you wanted to discuss this. The thing that jumped into my mind immediately was our interview last season with the amazing B.D. Wong. Yes. Because Emmanuel, I think, pretty much started the interview by asking him how he felt about the decision that the writers of Law and Order SUV, on mm-hmm. which he played this long-running character, those writers decided to do a surprise, this character's been gay all along, and we just never made it clear right. or told anyone. And Emmanuel asked him for his reaction about that. And I loved what he said because it was it was unguarded. You know, it wasn't like a PR line. Mm-hmm. Spoiler alert, B.D. Wong doesn't think a lot of this. And I wanted to actually play that for you now. 
I had no idea throughout the time that I was doing the show for 10 and a half years, however it was until right before when they, they let this bomb drop. I had no idea that I was playing him as if he had uh, relationships with women or whatever. My backstory was not that at all. So it felt a little cheap to me. Mm-hmm. It did. But I was also kind of torn because, you know, it's positive right. and there's nothing wrong with it. And so I felt it was kind of what's the word, provocative Mm -hmm. or something. But it did feel a little convenient or kind of lazy or, you know, kind of not particularly the best way that you want to come out as a character. Right. It wasn't like Alan coming out. It wasn't like, you (laughs) know, some great thing that was really impactful and funny or human or whatever. It was just kind of a minor point made. What he said. We love that interview. So if you didn't listen to it the first time around, go back. But we digress. I mean, I take his point, though, because one of the recent retcons for me that was really kind of surprising was, you know, I got kids. I've seen, I see most of the Disney movies. Frozen. So <gasps> the new Frozen 2 is dropped. So if you know anything about the first Frozen, you know Anna and Elsa. They live in Arendelle. And it's white, honey. Why did he white, white? White, <laughs> white. Okay? White is white. They, I mean, there's a snowman. He's white. And like, white. And then they found a way. Disney found a way to flip it where they make the girl's biracial. And then they find a way to integrate that storyline and make it seem like this was always there. Mm. And so I take B.D. Wong's point about like, you know, Disney is pretty savvy. And when they have the first Frozen that dropped, like my daughter is biracial. And, you know, we went to Disney on ice, Frozen on ice. You see all these little girls walking around with this blonde ponytail. And I have this moment where I'm just like, okay, this is a lot. You know, can we get some more diverse princesses? And they were like, got you. We recognize that the next generation of kids are going to be much more diverse. That's what the stats tell us. So let's find a way to make these more relatable. These To sprinkle some brown people into this film and make the Frozen girls more relatable. Another thing about Frozen 2 is that they find out they're biracial and then they have to do the right thing. It's a long story, but they like have to make amends with what their white ancestors mm-hmm. did to indigenous people. And I'm thinking, oh, doing the right thing is going to destroy their kingdom. And I think that's actually a great message to send out there. Like, you know what? Sometimes reparations isn't going to be super comfortable for the people who have to pay them up. Yeah, Which is the whole point, right? Exactly. That in right. order to give, you have to take. But instead, at the last minute, they're able to save their entire castle from this, like, huge tidal wave that was going to, like, destroy it. It just seemed like, oh, we'll do the right thing as long as we don't have to give up any of the wealth or privilege Mm -hmm. that we've gathered from marginalizing your community. And so I just was like, that was a missed opportunity. Come on. Retcon that, Disney. Retcon that in the next one. Actually, the castle's gone. (laughs) White feminism, everybody. "Mm, Do better. And so with that, do you feel that it's opportunistic that when I was listening back to the the B.D. Wong tape, it reminded me of J.K. Rowling as well, the author, the Mm -hmm. Harry Potter author being like, oh, did I not mention Dumbledore was gay all along? And I don't know, like... It's, it's as he said, right? There's a, a part of you that wants to be like, hey, it's a step in the right direction at least. Surely this is good. But there's another part of you that thinks, wait, isn't there something shameless about this? Like, mm-hmm. it's like someone saying, I didn't put in the work to start with, you know, to, to strive for a nuanced and sensitive portrayal of something at the time. But you know what? I'd kind of like to reap the rewards anyway. Mm-hmm. I think I'd like to jump in at this late stage and basically get my medal. And what that reminded me of is, you know, the people that appropriate the bits of someone else's culture mm-hmm. that they like but don't seem as interested in taking on the People, elements yeah. Yeah, that are a little bit more difficult. I think for me it depends, right? So like I think if there's an honesty to it, 
you know, if, if Disney was like, you know what, hey, we, we came out with this with with this uh, film the first time, and then we we recognized that there needed to be, you know, a, a more diversity or whatever. Uh, what I don't like is sort of the pretending that it was always this way. Mm. And so one of the examples that uh, I, men- I will mention Aldo again because I have fallen down the rabbit hole with him on this topic. He's obsessed with Star Wars, and he talked a little bit about the first film in the series. Lucas, when he shot it, they didn't know that it was going to be what it is. And so there were so many things in the first film that don't support later films mm. in the series. And so they've had to go back and kind of re-explain some things. And so, you know, I think it is Han Solo, he told me. I, he, the Star Wars fans are going to kill me. But there's a scene in the film where he's confronted by someone and he shoots first. Oh, this is the whole Han shot first Right, thing, so yeah. he shot first. And so later on, I guess, Lucas had, like, this conflict of, like, he wouldn't do that. That's not a part of his character or who he's become. And so they've re-engineered the footage so that... Um, the other person shoots first and it's self-defense, right? And so his position has always been like, no, it was always that way. And it's like, sir, sir, what about you, Emmanuel? Have you seen, like, what's your retcon pet peeve? Carly did bring up the whole J.K. Rowling thing, which feels more like pandering and like, oh, Mm. I checked the diversity box and it's like, I guess I'll give you a little bit of credit for caring enough to do it after the fact and make a big to-do about it. But it would have been more impactful if growing up reading these books, all these kids who were into them had actual evidence that Dumbledore was gay Mm. or like Hagrid is non-binary or whatever she's saying these days. My retcon pet peeve is from a show that you guys know I talk about a lot, but I'm just gonna have to do it again. Sorry. (laughs) In a small town of Stars Hollow in Gilmore Girls. (laughs) Dean, this bookish smart city boy from the big city of Chicago arrives. But then later on, this other smart bookish city boy from the big city of New York shows up and to like diversify Rory's love interest and make a love triangle have more energy. They retcon Dean to be kind of a country bumpkin who never wants to leave small town life and wants to get married instead of going to college. All of a sudden he was like, Rory, I don't read good. And it's like, this makes no no sense. Y'all can't just flip the script and reverse it like that. Only Missy Elliott is allowed to do that. Come on. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It's a thing down. Yeah, that sucks when they when the retconning kind of like completely destroys a character that you've known, you've come to like know and love. Then they got to figure out how to like that's just you, we have developed a relationship with this person. Don't try to fool me. I mean, primary example that I will always tell people, the masterpiece Robin Hood Prince of Thieves. Maid mm. Marian starts off as a trained warrior. She jumps out of the dark and she's going wearing a mask and she almost kills Robin Hood with her sword skills. And by the end of it, she's a trembling maiden. <laughs> I just want to point out that really timely topical example. <sighs> so I guess the moral of the story is it's never per se a bad thing to change your mind, but just be honest about why you're changing it. And remember, we all make mistakes. Even George Lucas puts his foot in his mouth now and then. <laughs> Even. <laughs> Back in November, when we started our bi-coastal arrangement on this podcast, Carly dreamed a dream for my new life in New York City. Let's flash back and hear what that dream was. 
Question, though, do you have any intention of going to Justin Theroux's newly opened dive bar? Wait a minute, what? I'm just finding out about this, and I will go and report back. Please sure. do, because I'm obsessed with Justin Theroux and the level of his posership on mm. specifically Instagram. And so he's joined forces with some other posy men and opened a dive bar, I think like on the Lower East Side or something, and it just looks like the worst thing in the world. So please go and Is that me. Jennifer Aniston's ex? It is. Okay, so the Jennifer Aniston rule is that we only refer to men True. via their proximity to women. So Jennifer Aniston's ex is opening a dive bar. I have forgotten. In New York. <laughs> I'm just saying I stand by the Jennifer Aniston role is all. Absolutely. Wow. <laughs> wow. So because I never wish to disappoint my favorite Brit, and that's saying something because you know I love Sporty Spice. She happens that to really be is. a Liverpoodlian, wow. which is a word. Is that real? Yes, Liverpoodlian. Yeah, yeah. Pudlian. Oh, wow, that's... Pudlian, yeah, yeah. Wow. So yeah, <laughs> I never want to disappoint Sporty Spice or you. So last weekend, I hopped on over to the Lower East Side to check out Jennifer Aniston's exes. Mm-hmm. Thank you. New dive bar. And I ran into a celebrity. Like, I know I talked to you guys about running into Kim Kardashian on the street like a couple months ago. Like, we didn't talk or anything. But this celebrity I actually talked to. And because I'm always thinking of you, dear listeners at home, I managed to record our encounter. So without further ado, here it is. Hey, everyone. It's Emmanuel. And I am in a New York City dive bar, the kind that has red lighting. So it makes you look really good in selfies. And there's a Christmas tree in the corner, a Coors Light neon sign in the shape of Texas. We don't feel as cozy about that one, but we'll let it slide. A framed photo of Stevie Nicks. We love that. And a beautiful morsel in the corner. And I'll let her introduce herself. I flatter myself that I'm something more than a morsel, Emmanuel. (laughs) It's me. It's Carly. I've got a cold. Sorry. So I kind of sound a bit weird. I sound a bit like Reagan from The Exorcist, but it is indeed me. And what an absolute delight, nay, a privilege to be here with you in, do you you want to tell the listeners where exactly we are? Because I think you're kind of, you're burying the lead of this story. I am. So we're not alone. The presence of one, Justin Thoreau, a.k.a. Jennifer Aniston's ex, a.k.a. the man whose dick print set many ships afloat. I mean, that image has left over, hashtag leftovers, into my iris. I can still see it now. And we are currently buying margaritas and greyhounds and giving him money because he deserves. It's astounding. So a little bit of the backstory for the listener. Um, Emmanuel and I hooked up, not like that, in, uh, in New York. And we decided that we absolutely had to visit the latest celebrity folly of Ray's Dive Bar. And the trouble is, we're on the Lower East Side now. We've ordered a drink. From the minute we walked in, we're actually really enjoying this place. We thought a celebrity opens a bar. It's probably going to be shit, let's be honest. And we open the door. We were ready to hate it. We turn the corner. We see the pink boots. We see the Stevie Nicks portrait. We see what's going on, including the entire bar is covered in Popeyes, free Popeyes, chicken, fries, biscuits, the savoriest biscuits I've ever had. And there's nothing to hate here. I love it. 
I would say there's probably one thing to hate, which is the fact that the pool table, which I think they've put in for a little touch of verisimilitude, it doesn't quite work because it's sandwiched up in the corner of the bar in the way that if you are trying to take your shot against the window, your cue will keep banging the window, which as any pool player knows, that just makes it absolutely unrealistic to play. But that's really my only issue as of yet. Yep, everything else is above board, so we'll give it a 99%. Uh, 99.2 actually we love it here and we've already worked out that Carly and her husband and her beautiful dog Beetle are all moving to New York specifically to this secret booth that we're in where it's elevated and we're surrounded by like double-sided mirrors and it's very weird but it's very cool and I think maybe Justin Thoreau has been here with a stripper one time. (laughs) The Hustlers vibes are strong but you know this is all much ado about nothing and we should probably leave because this is very much the equivalent of a late night FaceTime from your friends when they're out drinking so Emmanuel could you tell everyone what the sign above us says? It says Knurd, which if you're looking towards where we're sitting says drink up and we're about to go do just that because what else is there to do in Justin Throw's bar than just drink too much and then make podcast content I don't know <laughs> it's been a pleasure guys come and find us here bye bye Jamidra, we missed you so much. Oh, my gosh. I wish I was there so I could have called him Jennifer Anson's ex to his face. I mean, (laughs) what I will also say is that um, due to an announcement a couple of weeks ago, um, audio work is now eligible for Pulitzers. So I don't know, Emmanuel. I think we might have (laughs) a chance if we submitted that. (laughs) Totally. And I I think we could also have like a food review podcast because those biscuits Mm -hmm. were buttery. Oh, my goodness. Would you go back? A hundred percent. And would you recommend this bar to a friend? Oh, I'm recommending it to you right now. I It just had us from the moment we walked in. and Was it as divey as you thought it would be? You you're... know, I think dive is a misnomer when it comes to this bar. What they're trying to approximate is not like graffiti on the bathroom wall dive, but it kind of felt like a folksy, and correct me if I'm wrong here, Emmanuel, like Midwest small town saloon. Right. And it's kind of done with a lot of love and affection. It's got those flaws that mm-hmm. we pointed out, you know, the, the, the tells that you go, oh, it, this is actually fake. Yeah. But the rest of it's just, you know, it's a lot of fun. And Popeye's on the bar. Come on. I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I'll, I'll relent. Emmanuel, I'm not, I'm not speaking out of turn here. Surely you agree with me, man. You're not going to reverse, are you? Not at all. I've been talking about it since we went, like to people who are just like, how's your day? And I'm like, have you been to Justin Thoreau's bar? It's amazing. And I highly recommend it. It's great. I will also say, you know, whoever was programming that jukebox, I think it was the dude behind the bar, did a great job. Okay. Shout out to the bartender jukebox. Fleetwood Mac, yeah. Dr. John. Bob Seger, you know, all the dad classics, Mm -hmm. basically. Did you order a margarita again? Of course. What is it with you and the margarita? Always with the mugs. I just like to party. Mm, You have to have a special occasion for a margarita, but uh, I'll allow it. Every day is a special occasion, Jamidra. Also, it's cold as hell right now. This is brown alcohol weather. We should have ordered hot toddies. Mm -hmm. Let's just say, as you can probably hear from that audio, we weren't thinking too straight. (laughs) Yeah. And maybe we weren't thinking too straight because at the brunch spot... What did they play but one of our most reviled <gasps> songs of the decade, Kanye's Poopity oh. Scoop, came on. No, and, they didn't. Yes. And, and I thought Carly had the DJ played. I was like, there's no, I've never heard this in the wild. What is happening? I know. And also before we go, I should say that in our little field trip, 
recording, I said something about a Texas neon sign that I wasn't into. I wasn't mm. not into it because of Texas. I was not into it because I hate beer and it was Coors. So everyone in Texas, please don't hate me. I love Austin. Oh, I meant to ask you about that because there was a little bit, there was a tinge of shade there. And I was like, okay. I was more concerned about what he was talking about around Justin Theroux and his... Uh, mm. Dick prank? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find a very euphemistic way of telling There's no way. That. Yeah, no, no. Would you like him to elaborate? <laughs> Explain yourself. Oh, I, the mental image is quite strong enough. Thank you. Those gray sweats were in full effect. His gray sweats, 2020. I'm voting. Yeah, it's like gray sweatpants season. Vote now. <laughs> it's the big and the pick. Hey, the big and the pick. It is that time again for us to travel to the peaks and the pits of pop culture this month. Who wants to go first? I will go first. My peak is just a short and sweet one. I'm really obsessed with no context screenshot accounts on Twitter. Depending on what shows you like, there are many Twitter accounts and they'll be at least one Twitter account that's dedicated to no context screenshots, complete with like the subtitles. Of that show. So I follow like no context Star Trek, no context Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it's just like a little delight in your feed. It's just a screen grab from that movie or that TV show mm-hmm. with the subtitles that the character happens to be saying at the time and no explanation. And it's great. And then you can save it to your phone and send it to people and make them laugh. I like that. So type in no context and the name of the show or the movie that you love into Twitter and see what accounts are out there. I Mm. promise you, it'll just bring you joy into your day. We can all use a little bit more joy on Twitter these days. Mm -hmm. I'll tell you that. Mm -hmm. The hellscape. My pit is far less cheery, obviously. Have you guys heard about this new Clint Eastwood film called Richard Jewell? Oh, yes. No. Oh, God. So, I don't really keep up with Clint. Exactly. And yeah. why would you? Clint Eastwood genuinely used mm-hmm. to be quite cool and make great movies. Unforgiven is a great movie. Yeah. Um, he's made this new movie called Richard Jewell, and there is um, a problematic portrayal of a female reporter in this movie um, who was a real-life journalist called Kathy Scruggs, and she is being played by the actress Olivia Wilde mm. in this movie. Um, Olivia Wilde, of course, made uh, Booksmart, kind of markets herself as being fairly woke on social media. So there's an invented storyline in this movie about the real-life journalist Kathy Scruggs um, sleeping with or offering sexual favors to an FBI agent in return to get the story. And you wow. can, we can talk for ages about how this is such a tired old trope of the female reporter mm-hmm. basically using sex to, to get the scoop. And this never happened. It's a total fabrication. And it's so dangerous to insist or to claim that this is how female journalists mm-hmm. do their work. Oh, they only get the story because they use sex to get it. No one is covering themselves in glory here, least of all Clint Eastwood. We kind of expected this from him. But the trouble is, like, Olivia Wilde was doing quite well. Mm-hmm. I think if she just said nothing, a lot of people would have thought, oh, poor thing, she got cast in this movie. She probably didn't know that there was a real misrepresentation going on. The trouble is, she's doubled down and called people who are objecting to the fabrications about this, you know, this real-life woman who is dead, by the way. She's, the Kathy Scruggs is not around to defend herself. She passed away. Olivia Wilde is claiming that people who object to the fabrications are, in fact, sexist. Oh, God. She's saying, 
I don't hear anyone complaining about John Hamm's character. This is her speaking in Deadline. If there's anything slightly questionable about, about a female character, we often use that in relation to condemn that character or to condemn the project for allowing for a woman to be impure in a way. It's a misunderstanding of feminism to assume that all women have to be sexless. I resent the character being minimized to that point. Uh, Girl, nobody says she had to be sexless. Please, please. Wow. It's anti-feminist to object to a, like a fabrication about a real-life woman's life. So, pit of the week, I feel like maybe for the second or third time on the show, mm-hmm. surely we must have awarded it to Olivia Wilde previously because someone, she tries very hard and, and trips up on her own shoelaces quite a lot. Um, what I will say to the listeners at home is you can avoid all these problems by not casting yourself in Clint Eastwood movies. That is, yes. Just I, head this problem off at the pass. I know. For, I, for one, will be taking that advice. So, yeah. <laughs> and I applaud you for it. <laughs> a new resolution for us all. So, there you go. That's mine. Yeah. That's crazy. The thing is, like, who asked for this? Like, there was <laughs> not no when nobody asked for this. Nobody asked for this movie, and nobody asked for that. Like, why, why, why make it would be problematic enough if this was a fictional character, but why write that in when this woman was a real person? I know, I know. And we can like debate like the tropes and the wrongness about it, but also like real life people have real life families that they left behind, mm-hmm. and these people have to see this movie being promoted, and that makes my heart frankly quite sick. Mm-hmm. So, pit of the month to this whole endeavor. Pit of the <laughs> month. Okay, well, I guess I'll go next. My peak is going to go to none other than Miriam Webster. So every single year they come out with the word of the year Love and then we all have to think about it. I mean, I feel like last year, I don't know if it was them or Oxford who came out with a, a smiley face emoji or was it the poop emoji. <laughs> they were doing some things and I questionable. This year I'm fully behind them. I got like a notification in my email inbox because I'm one of those nerdy people who does the word of the day email. I yep. upload that. Sometimes they're great. Sometimes I'm like, eh. I was really excited to hear that they had have crowned they as the word of the year for 2019. And it's specifically because they've said um, searches for they have increased by 313 percent in 2019. And they related to folks who are using it now and sort of becoming more comfortable with using they for people who are non-binary and it's sort of gender neutral. And so I just like there's not a lot to celebrate all the time. And I just want to celebrate the fact that like, you know, people who are gender neutral, non-binary have always existed. uh, But now we're coming to a place where most of us are starting to acknowledge them as such. So shout out to Miriam Webster. Just want to say that. Hey. My pit is going to go to everyone in Hollywood, outside of Hollywood, internationally, otherwise on other planets, wherever they are, who confuses Ava DuVernay with every single black director, producer. I know what you're going to say. That peak is dedicated to you. So for those of you who don't know, there have been two movies that um, have black casts and have been featured sort of like in the zeitgeist lately. That is Harriet, a film, you know, obviously about Harriet Tubman starring Cynthia Erivo that just recently came out. And then there's Queen and Slam, which is the film about this on-the-run romance that features Daniel Kaluuya. So we've seen, like, these advertisements for quite some time now. It's a film I haven't seen, but I really want to. Ava DuVernay tweeted a couple weeks ago that she's been congratulated for these two great oh films. Oh, my God. So folks have come up to her. They've gone out of their way to say congratulations on Harriet, congratulations on Queen and Slam, and she has to correct them. So for those of you who don't know um, and need a correction, the black minds behind Queen and Slam are Lena Waithe and Melina Monsukas and Harriet that would be Casey Lemons, not Ava DuVernay. So can we just like 
Can we just can we just check? And the terrifying thing is, it's not even hard. It's not. It's not it's even really hard. not that hard. And and it's like I and, and I am as face blind. I can be as face blind as the next person. But like when we're talking about you congratulating someone for something that they did, you need to be pretty damn sure that you're talking to the right person. If you can tell the Hollywood Chris's apart, Chris mm-hmm. Evans, Chris Pine, Chris Hemsworth, you can get this right, guys. Come on. So pit to y'all, and I'm done. Oh, they deserve that pit. And also to the person who, I think it was a blogger, who confused Whoopi Goldberg on a red carpet and thought they were Oprah. Uh, it was like, oh my God, Oprah looks so great. It's like, they literally don't look anything alike. But okay. Not even close. Not, not even, even close. close. Okay, so my pit of the month goes to a wellness Instagram influencer by the name of Metaphysical Megan. Megan. That sounds about right. She describes herself as a, quote, healer, teacher, and embodied mermaid. Same girl. (laughs) (laughs) I'm guessing you're going to add charlatan to that uh, bio. Oh, yes. So she's been getting a lot of attention recently because of a new trend that she's propagating out there called perineum sunbathing. No, no, no. No, explain. I haven't heard of this, so explain. For those who don't know what a perineum is, it's that lovely passage between your genitals and your butthole. And people on the streets call it your taint. Oh, I was going to say, that's what I, I'm, I've never heard the, the, the former, but the latter I'm very familiar with. I am a dying right yeah. now. <laughs> you know you can get it pissed. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not surprised, but I am also, like, troubled by, by that. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> I don't have to say everything that comes into my head, but I have to say that. So according to Metaphysical Megan, she starts her day by going outside, spreading wide, and sunning her taint. And according to her, she no longer has to drink coffee because she is, quote, getting my energy from the sun. I feel energized for hours. And in addition to energy, Megan alleges that exposing your ass to UV radiation will also regulate your hormones, strengthen your libido, increase your personal magnetism, and amplify your auric field. I mean, who doesn't want that? Okay, and so, and her degree is from where? Instagram you. Okay. Yes. <laughs> School of life. <laughs> so she says this practice is derived from an ancient Taoist tradition. Spoiler alert, it's definitely not. <laughs> the monks are like, guys, we have nothing to do with this. They were like, we might pierce our tains, but we definitely don't sun them. Sorry. Wow. So people have started trying this taint tanning, which is what I'm calling it. I hope all of them have backyards. <laughs> like, I just, I'm trying to imagine what this is. <laughs> one of those, like, Wilson height fences so no one has to see. Yeah. Oh. Home improvement oh, reference for people who were alive in the 90s, I guess. <laughs> I appreciated it. Thank you, Emmanuel. You're welcome. So this taint tanning is getting some mileage out there. The world is ending, I guess. People are just like, why the hell not? (laughs) So the most prominent person who's tried it is Josh Brolin, a.k.a. Thanos from The Avengers, a.k.a. Diane Lane's Mm. ex-husband, a.k.a. one of the old dudes in No Country for Old Men. And he was also in The Goonies and other things. But we're not here to talk about his IMDb page. We're here to talk about how he tried the taint tanning and did not enjoy the results. Here is his Instagram post. And this is entirely a quote, and I'm not making any of it up, I swear. Quote, tried this perineum sunning that I've been hearing about. And my suggestion is do not do it as long as I did. My pucker hole is crazy burned. And I was going to spend the day shopping with my family. And instead, I'm icing and using aloe and burn creams because of the severity of the pain. I don't know who the f- thought of this stupid, f- but f- you nonetheless, seriously, 
Hashtag. Sir. <laughs> there's hashtags too. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, wait, there's more. There's more. Hashtag Black Hole Friday. Hashtag Black Hole Sun. Hashtag Severe Perineum Burns. Hashtag <laughs> Santa Monica Fire Department. Hashtag Whole Care. Hashtag Be mad at yourself, sir. There's no one you are. There's no one oh to be angry here but yourself. I, yeah. Mm. Wow, the rehabilitation of Josh Brolin on social media is actually fascinating. Mm. Like, our memories are very short. He was arrested for domestic violence in 2004. Oh, wow. I always have to just put that caveat with Josh Brolin. But he has totally reinvented himself as, like, your cuddly, you know, uncle who's in Marvel movies and who sons his his perineum. Mm. (laughs) He reinvented his image and his taint. Clearly. (laughs) Pit of the week to him and pit of the week to metaphysical Megan because this shit cray. And no, we're not here for it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is a very brief pit because I don't want to give him much attention, but there's a trashy one-hit wonder who used to date Pam Anderson. We'll call him Child Pebble. Okay, yes. You yeah, know I'm, I'm okay. following? I follow, I follow. So he went on stage recently and yelled, F*** Oprah, she can suck my d- sideways. So what? to him, I say, sir, we are sick of your... S- <laughs> I'm like so mad on Oprah's behalf, I can't even speak. <laughs> can't even verbalize it. I just hate you, Child Pebble, and I hope you go away forever. And the one song you're known for isn't even that good. So, Bombada Diggity, on out of here, or whatever that lyric was. And now to greener pastures. Let's talk about my peak of the month. It's actually interactive. I'm going to send you guys an image, and I want to hear your honest reaction. The peak goes to the face of Swiss psychiatrist Herman Rorschach, inventor of the Rorschach test, because he is a complete snack, in my opinion. And unfortunately for the listeners at home, this is not a visual podcast, so you'll have to Google it for yourself. But, Jamidra Carly, I'm going to send you the text now. Okay. And I want to hear on a scale of zero to he could get it, where does Herman fall? Okay, let's see. Herman. Oh. Okay, so it's not just it's a it's a it's a look, right? It's a look. So it's, it's a, a vibe. It's the, dishe- it's the disheveled hair. It's the like I'm wearing a tie, but not really. It's the my two day stubble. Mm-hmm. Oh my! If you had to liken him to anyone, maybe one of the Hollywood Chrises, who would you compare him to? Oh, hmm. he's got that like crinkly eyes. He's like. Uh, Hemsworth yes. that grew up in like Germany instead. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then maybe like Chris Pine's genetics got in there as well. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. But, yes. Yeah. I want to run my fingers through his hair and other things too. Okay. Well, I, mm. <laughs> so zero to he could get it. What are you guys thinking? I'm a, he's going to, he's on the he can get it scale. Yeah. Like I could see, I could see this a bar. I mean, obviously when I was a single woman. I mean, <laughs> but I could see myself <laughs> looking over, looking, looking down the bar like, you know what, sir? What you doing later on? I'm just going to say if if he showed me some ink blots, I'd be seeing some uh, pretty explicit things in them. (laughs) What about you, Emmanuel? Oh, I mean, I brought it to your attention. Obviously, he could get all of this. You were also diagnosed as horny. (laughs) (laughs) And I like that my peak of this month in pop culture is someone who was alive in the 1800s who was hot. You know, it's just how I roll. This is like when Sarah Benincasa came on and she was like, you know who I think is really hot right now? Frederick Law Olmsted, mm. <laughs> the <Wow>. architect. <laughs> the only time that's ever been uttered on a podcast ever. <laughs> dude, I was looking up about Central Park when I came out to visit Emmanuel. That dude designed Central Park. See? I must have missed that point when she made it. <laughs> so he's talented and hot. Amazing. Yep. Like Mr. Rorschach, Inkblot Central. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. I seem to have got some ink on me. Oh. oh. <laughs> oh dearie me. <laughs> Let's move on to the song before we burn this place down with the fire of our loins and our taint. 
Okay, so for the song of this month, I almost went with something brand new, but I just heard about something that I've been waiting for for a long time. So it's been 18 years since Aaliyah passed away. We're very sad about that, obviously. And a lot of her fans have been sad for many years over the fight to keep her legacy alive by having her music accessible to a new generation Mm -hmm. or to any of us, really, because it's not on streaming because her uncle owns all the rights. His name is Barry Hankerson, and he just refused to put it anywhere. I don't know what his reasoning is. I've never understood that either. But finally, he said, in celebration of Aaliyah's 41st birthday, what would have been, it's January 16, 2020, he is releasing all of her discography on all streaming platforms, finally. And so it's a promising start to the decade, in my opinion, especially for that baby from Are You That Somebody who's about to get some fat checks in the mail for like royalties. Since we're all going to be listening to a lot of Aaliyah, I just thought it, it makes sense to write out with an Aaliyah song. And let's go full circle with this one and go with We Need a Resolution. See what I did there? Because we talked about resolutions and mm-hmm. she has a song about resolutions. Amazing. My mind. Her mind. Wow. I like how you did Your that galaxy brain. <laughs> galaxy brain all the way. So take it away, baby girl. We miss you and love you. Who should be hurt? Who should be ashamed? Am I supposed Big thanks to Gabe, Maline, and David Marcus. All original music on the podcast is by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Shout out to Argo Studios in New York City for making our long distance love possible. If you want to be featured in our hotline segment in future episodes, make our hotline bling by giving us a call at 415-553-2850. Until next month, you can find us on social media. I'm at Excuse My Beauty. I'm at Teacup in the Bay. And I'm Jamie Dresset. Happy New Year, y'all. Bye. Bye. Bye.